Today's reading is called The Unexpected Christmas, Finding Peace in Our Struggles. In an unexpected Christmas, we find peace in our struggles. Okay, so we'll be reading from Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. As we gather this morning, we come anxious, struggling, unsettled, unfulfilled. We come longing for more. Our longing reveals something that is lacking. While we may think we long for peace, we often cannot fully define what will bring us peace. In this longing space, we create room for the child of God in whom we discover what will satisfy our longings. We rejoice today as recipients of the unexpected peace that Jesus brings into our lives with his birth. And I'll finish by reading from Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that our eyes are on you through everything that we encounter and everything that we face. Father, we sing those words this morning, not because everything is perfect and not because everything is peaceful and not because everything is calm, but God, because you walk with us through all of those things. And even in the midst of the darkest thing that we could ever face, Lord, you are with us. You've never even thought of leaving us. So we can say it is well with who we are because you are with us today. Father, continue to pour yourself out on us this morning. We need you in so many ways, more than what we could ever express or truly ask for, more than what we could ever even begin to conceive ourselves, Lord. We need you in every aspect of what we know and what we don't even know. And so, Father, today we just open ourselves to you and to what you would say to us, what you would speak to us through, Lord, as we as we take time to focus on you this morning together as a body of people. Continue to bless this time. Lord, bless the words that would be said. Bless the heart that would say them, Lord. May you speak through those who would do those things. Thank you so much for this time that we have this morning, Lord. Thank you that we can say it is well with us because of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The other day, my son was working on a homework assignment and first graders have homework. You don't expect a, it to be too in-depth. And they had to write a story. And he looked at us, just as clear as could be, says, I'm going to write a personal narrative. <laughs> That's great, because I don't even know what that is, Zyla, but you have at it, buddy. And he understood it, and he did it. And I find myself amazed at times as, as our kids grow up, the words they start to use. And sometimes they'll surprise you with their understanding of, of what certain things mean and their grasp of it. And I was thinking about that this week, because as we enter into this Advent season, this time of preparation, we, we throw around a lot of words, uh, Christmassy words, seasonal words, and I wonder if at times, though, we don't forget what they really mean, or if we truly understand what they're trying to really communicate and say to us. What does it mean to be hopeful? Pastor Josh shared with us last week, uh, there, there's some accounts in Scripture where we find this unexpected hope, Hope in ways that maybe we wouldn't expect us to find it. And, and those are the most beautiful ways, most profound ways. This past week, my son, my four-year-old, come and goes, Mom, what, what does this mean? And he says, well, you've you got your fingers crossed. Well, we're hoping that it happens. We're, we're hoping that it comes true. And it led into a nice conversation with him about what it meant to be hopeful, having our fingers crossed. We don't have to cross our fingers because we have one in which we have real hope. We learned that last week, and we're going to continue our conversation as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, that this unexpected Christ that came and, and meets our needs that maybe we have trouble defining or putting into words. Today, the, the next step we're going to take is talking about what it means to have peace in our lives. It's so much more than just a hand signal, so much more than just a treaty we might make between two countries or between two neighbors. It goes much, much deeper than that. And when we take time to study and to learn what the word really means, then all of a sudden we have this new world opened up to us, that the scriptural, spiritual world, that this world of knowing who Jesus is and the difference he can make in our lives becomes real. And the world Jesus entered into over 2,000 years ago was a world filled with political strife, with division, one with, filled with economic uncertainty, with chaotic leadership, with oppressive government and high taxes. It was a world in which culture was marginalizing others. The day-to-day -day in Jesus' world was so tiring. And, and the weight of it all, it was, just, it, was, it was just weary. And they were looking for hope, they were looking for peace, and it came in the most unexpected way, in the most unexpected form. As people were constantly trying to just get through the day, they were realizing living out the reality that this slowly strips away one's ability to find peace in one's life. They were desperate. Desperation is a funny thing. It begins slowly creeping in on us. And then all of a sudden, we find that we're overwhelmed by it. Unrecognizable at first, but overwhelming in time. Unrealized in, the, in its early stages, it soon becomes part of our existence. Desperation. It's in that desperation, though, which we find 
room for the birth of Jesus. We find room for the child in our lives. Jesus stepped down into this into our world in a very unexpected way. But his coming restores for us the reason we have for rejoicing. Luke chapter 2, we'll read just a little bit. The message first comes to the shepherds. And the message to them was, this is for all people. So you and I are included in the Christmas story from the very beginning. We are among the all. We are invited to the party. The same description, though, that we see Jesus entering into the world 2,000 years ago curiously enough, defines and describes our culture even today. Political strife, economic uncertainty, chaotic leadership, oppressive government, high taxes, a culture that marginalizes others, a day-to-day that is still so tiring. Not much changes, does it? Might look different, but the results are still the same. We live in a world that is in need of hope. A hope that still comes, that's still available, and is still often unexpected. So during this Advent season, we are reminded that we still have a reason to rejoice. Jesus brought with him a thrill of hope. And our response to rejoice. So how do we get there? What does that look like? Well, we, we've experienced the cold weather now. We, we've turned over the calendar. We're in the month of December. It, it's time to get into kind of the, the, the mood or the spirit, if you will. And some of you are ready for snow. I'm not quite there yet. I had to use my ice scraper this morning. I was not ready for that. I don't care if I ever have to use that thing for the rest of the season. It can go back in the trunk. I don't like using that. That tells me that there's something going on that I don't care for. I haven't had to get the shovel out yet. Let me, let me tell you, I do not like that either. But there is something peaceful, though, isn't there, about fresh fallen snow? You know, walking outside after it's finished and there's a couple inches on the ground, it's quiet. Sound does, uh, snow does a great job of muffling the noise, if you will. It's peaceful until the trucks come by to clear it. It's pretty until the salt starts to melt it. There's something beautiful about those moments. And there's something beautiful about the season that we're entering into. So before it gets too busy... Before it starts to get too messy, let's make sure we pause to enjoy it. To be reminded of all the things that we have to be hopeful. To be reminded of the experiences in our lives from which we can rejoice. Because we still live in a world that's messy. We live in a world that's uncertain. And we still live in a world that needs peace. We live in a culture today where, where mental health is a very real struggle many, even in this place today. We live in a world where our teens are, are faced with this reality of, of trying to be popular and trying to fit in, trying to measure up to what others' expectations might be. We live in a world of racial tension, of political divide, high inflation, supply chain issues, school shootings, loneliness, depression, a world of dirty laundry that's shared on social media. We live in a world of conflict with our loved ones, our family, our friends. And on all of these examples, we could speak for a long time of these ongoing battles that each of us face. And they slowly strip away the peace that Jesus came to bring us. It's easy to yearn for it. We often desire it. But I wonder if we truly understand it. Last year, uh, over Thanksgiving, my family and I had an opportunity to, to take in two foster children for, the, for Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, the two kids that were in our care, one morning they wake up, they're getting ready to go to Grandma's house for dinner, and the next night they're in, they're in the home of strangers. And their world got turned upside down, and they were, they were lacking peace in their life. And, and we had a good weekend, though. God gave us a good time with them. And the following morning or the following Monday after the weekend was over, our kids go back to school, my wife goes back to work, and they didn't yet have a, a, a long-term placement for, for these two children. And when one of them was with me, and we had to go to the store, and we were talking about all of their struggles, and all of a sudden the song came on the radio. She said, well, that's how God works sometimes. And she goes, hey, turn that song up. I wasn't sure what their background was. I wasn't sure if they had been church or what, if they were... Uh, uh, used to what uh, a, a family that went to church looked like, or what a faith experience was. She was, I love this song. And the song was, This is How I Fight My Battles. 
Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. But in my mind, I got tears in my eyes as I'm driving. I said, Lord, this little six-year-old knows to turn to you when, when her world is turned upside down. Do I do the same? Here are the words of that song. It's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body and it's your blood you've shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. In verse 2, in the valley I know that you're with me. And surely your goodness and mercy follow me. So my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. And the chorus says, I may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. And today we still face battles every day. Battles that, that, that can strip away the peace that, that we could find in him. And if we're, if we're not careful. Battles that could pull us away from him instead of push us towards him. The church, how do we fight our battles today? In our Advent reading this morning, Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13 was shared with you. Uh, and we shared that last week as well. We'll share it with you next week as well because it, and it's intentional. It's on purpose because we see in this passage a reminder for us of what this is all about. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. You and I are Gentiles. And we will hope in him. May the God of hope, Paul writes, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with joy. We'll talk about joy next week. To be filled with peace. To be filled with it. That's, that's God's desire for us. That it's overflowing. But how do we get there? First, we have to address and talk about the things that tend to rob us and steal our peace. We've touched on those a little bit already this morning. But then we also have to understand, really understand, what peace is. What is promised to us in God's word? It's more than a hand signal. It's more than a treaty. It's more than an agreement to just stop fighting. The definition of peace, if you look in the dictionary, simply is it's a freedom from disturbance or, or quietness or stillness. But the real peace that, that Paul's talking about goes much further. The peace that Jesus brings is unexpected and often is misunderstood. But it's not defined by the lack of conflict. See, that, that's the easy part. That's an easy definition of peace. Instead, we find its true meaning in the Hebrew word for peace, which I'm sure you're familiar with, shalom. Shalom means peace. But to go a little bit further... In the Hebrew context, it means to be complete. It means to be sound. It means one's welfare. It means to be content. It goes far beyond not fighting or peace as we understand it. Shalom is, in, is in essence, how things were meant to be. If, if we find ourselves in the midst of shalom, it's a little slice of heaven. It takes us back to life in the garden. At creation, before sin, sin entered the world, it divides, it separates Peace speaks to restoration. Peace speaks to being made complete once again. And the peace of God allows us to look at others through heaven's eyes and compels us to, to step into and to help a world see God's kingdom and invites them in to experience genuine peace. See, it's easy to just go through life and try to avoid conflict. But we are called to something much higher. And we're given the tools to experience something much higher. The Hebrew word shalom, inside of it is a root word, and it's not that different, but it's another word called shalem. Shalem means to make amends or, or to make whole or complete. And shalem is often used in terms of making restitution. We see it in Exodus chapter 22, where we're told if a man stole an ox or a sheep from his neighbor under the law, he was to restore or to shalem what he had taken. Make right what you have taken. Pay for your deficit. Bring back into your bring back the relationship bring the relationship back into completeness make it whole again therefore to have shalom to really understand it means to be in this state of being whole without deficiency without lack that there's nothing in between the two parties which find peace together we see shalom used often in the old testament referencing the wellness of others sometimes it is translated as well we sing the song it is well in our soul. It's speaking to its spiritual peace within us. 
meaning we are complete, we are whole. Not that everything around us is going well, but that we find wellness in our relationship with God. Perhaps you're familiar with a songwriter. Well, he wasn't necessarily, didn't set out to be a songwriter. Horatio Spafford. You may not know the name, but you know his song. He wrote the words to the song, It Is Well. He wrote that song in a season of great, incredible loss, where the great Chicago fire had wiped away many of his investments. And on a trip to, to England, his, his wife and daughters were, were in an accident, and then the ship sank, and he lost four of his daughters at one time. While sailing to England to meet his wife, when he passed over the spot where the ship sank, he went outside and felt the presence of God and wrote the words to that song, It is well with my soul. Even though the world around him wasn't well, it was well with him. He found incredible peace in his relationship with God. Now, later on in Spafford's life, though, things got a little unshaky. And while they were well in that moment, they didn't necessarily end so well for him. It's easy if we're not careful. If we don't pay attention to our relationship with Jesus Christ, for our peace to get taken from us, for us to wander, to drift. Is it well with us this morning? Is it complete? Are we whole in our relationship with God? That's why Jesus came. That, that's what, what his purpose was for. What was to bring us back into relationship with the Father. Now the word peace in the New Testament, let's go from shalom to the Greek. The Greek word for, for peace is irene. Irene speaks to quietness. It speaks to rest. It speaks to joining together into a whole. It speaks to being unified. See, peace is more than just the lack of conflict. It's being made into one. We see Irene used 91 times in the New Testament. It's in every book of the New Testament except 1 John. And each time it speaks to the bringing of multiple parts together to form a whole, to set as one again, as it once was. Jesus came. He was promised in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve first sinned. Jesus told the serpent, I, I'm going to send one who will be enmity. He'll be, he'll be the one between you and my creation. He'll stomp on your head. He'll bring them back into relationship with me. That's why he was promised. That's why he came to bring us back into restored relationship with God. That's what peace is speaking about. It doesn't speak that everything's going great in our lives, everything's wonderful, and there's no problems, there's no conflicts. It's, it's rather speaking to the one, fact that we can be unified once again with our Creator, as it once was. We can be made whole. So when we have this understanding of what the words really mean, now when we see it in Scripture, we start to read Scripture a little bit differently. We start to see things there that we, we hadn't seen before. We first see Irene in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 10. It says, If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you, Jesus saying. Says, if, if this house is worthy, then, then God unify them, make them whole, complete them. In Jewish culture, people would use shalom in a greeting, an expression such as shalom alakim, which means well-being be upon you. May you be well. Jesus and New Testament writers often greet each other with the same farewell phrase for peace, meaning peace be with you. It was a common word used all the time, but always spoke of being complete, being whole, being unified, being of one mind, of one spirit. So how does this fit in the Christmas story? Luke chapter 2, we read in verses 13 and 14, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And on earth may you find unity. May, may you be brought together. May you be made complete. May you, may you be made whole. The angels appear to the shepherds and they proclaim peace on earth. And it connects the reality of God's favor with genuine, real peace. And our response to that is to rejoice. It is to give back what God has given to us, to, to give him glory. See, Jesus brought about peace in the most unexpected way when he arrives in this most unexpected form. The Jews, and particularly the Zealots, they wanted a rebellion. They wanted peace, all right, but they wanted it in a different way. They wanted their, their country back. 
They wanted their savior to overturn the oppressive rule of the Romans and to bring about peace in a violent way. But Jesus had something else in mind. See, the real problem wasn't the Romans. The real problem was sin that had separated them from God. Jesus came to restore that which had been broken by man's selfish choices, to forgive sins, to invite us back into relationship with the Father. See, first he gives us inner peace. Because of his work on the cross, we have a chance to receive salvation and to be indwelled by his Spirit. This grants us a peace that we don't always understand. But we miss it if we're not paying attention. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus writes, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. (laughs) Did you get that? I don't give you peace as the world gives you peace. I give you real peace. See, now all of a sudden we see the words of Jesus. They mean something more when you understand what he's really saying. My peace I give you. My, My wholeness, my completeness, my unity I bring to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now all of a sudden, that phrase that we're very familiar with now means something different. It goes deeper. Not only do we have the peace that comes from our assurance of salvation, but we also have the peace of of mind knowing that God will heal this broken world and he will come again in his timing, in his way for the fulfillment of his purposes. When we have this inner peace in our relationship with him, that then allows us to be at peace with others. If you have someone in your life right now, then it's, it's just not very peaceful when you're together. Maybe there's always this conflict. Maybe there's always this rub. There, there's just something between you. And there is. But you're not going to fix that part until you fix the part inside of us. In him, we have reconciliation with others. In him we can live at peace with others. In him we have fellowship with one another and can live with others in unity in one accord through the bonds of peace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 Paul writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit the beautiful word there, unity through the bond of peace. Make every effort in other translations the word effort is may you be eager, may you endeavor, may you be diligent, may you want it. May it be something you desire. May it not be an afterthought. This is where our differences come into play. We're different people. I know that's pretty obvious, right? Different interests, different styles, the different teams that we root for, the different ways in which we choose to live life. But in the midst of our differences, we can still be unified. We can still live at peace with one another. We can still coexist and we can still rejoice together. And and that should especially be true for those in the church. We can spend a lot of time on the realities and experiences that some of you have had where peace hasn't existed within a church. And I pray that that's never something we have to deal with. When we put God first, put ourselves second, and save ourselves a lot of heartache in the long run. When we come pursuing the same purpose, we come desiring that others would know who Jesus is, that we come to know uh, what it means to, to find salvation in him, to what it really means to experience peace. When that becomes our priority, when that becomes our focus, all the other things that we might disagree about, they're really not that significant any longer. But when we put ourselves in front, then things get a little challenging. See, by nature, we're not peaceful people. We want what we want. When we're, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, though, we then can become peacemakers with our friends, with our neighbors, even with our enemies, those who are against us, those who we might look at as our foes, those who think differently than we do. Now, in the United Nations, they have uh, soldiers they'll send out. It's an army, and they'll call them peacekeepers because they're there to ensure that they don't hurt each other. That they, they, there's not this uprising and conflict. But what they're missing is, is that we're called to be peacemakers. See, peacekeeping is much easier. It doesn't take as much effort. It, it's not something that requires us to really change who we are. Peacemaking, though, does. We could talk about the previous conversations we had about the lack of peace in our lives and all of those things that we deal with. Often we, we do try to deal with them 
but we're dealing with symptoms. We're not dealing with the really heart issues. And in so doing, we're just peacekeepers. We're, we're stopping the fighting. We're, we're stopping the conflict. We're trying to be free from the disturbance. Yet that's not making peace. That's not why Jesus came. See, we're called to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, what, what's he talking about here? We, we could really spend a lot of time on this. We're not going to spend too much time on it. Blessed are those who are unified with me, who are whole in me, who are complete in me, for they will be called children of God. Because when we are complete and whole in Jesus Christ, we are just that, invited to the table and into the family. We're adopted. We are then a child of God. See, now all of a sudden when we understand what peace means, Scripture starts to mean something more. It's deeper. Our teens, you might look at them as being against you. I understand that. I've several in my home. But often what we look at as division, they're just wanting someone to listen, to value, to care. Those who are grieving, they just want someone to cry with them. Your family, maybe you're going to find yourselves in the midst of conflict and strife, and I don't want to oversimplify because I know there's a lot of complex issues that are represented in our congregation today, but the heart of many conflicts is a lack of honesty and willingness to have an honest conversation. Those are discouraged. They just need to be encouraged. Lonely, they see someone to come beside them. Those who are depressed, all of these situations, all of these life experiences, there are moments where Satan can creep in, lie to us and pull us down. And we can feel the spiritual battle going on around us. And, and, and the lack of peace becomes tangible. And that goes back to the question, how do we choose to fight our battles? Now, it, it seems kind of counterintuitive to fight battles at the same time to pursue peace. The battles we're fighting are the very ones that bring us back into unity with God. To find peace with God, biblical peace, to trust in his promises, brings about a new understanding in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Those who have been through caravans, you'll understand and know this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and, and all your ways to submit to him and he'll make your paths straight. I, I, I like this, this idea, making your path straight. Through restful, tranquil faith that despite the dark, scary world around us, we don't have to understand everything. God will make our path straight. We see this, this idea echoed in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The ground shall be made level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. Now, where I'm from, they don't make flat roads. Uh, they, they don't make straight roads. So this scripture, this is speaking about West Virginia, I think it is anyway. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places, a plain. God will make our path straight. That's how these two verses, these two paths intersect. When life is rugged, when life is not level, when there's mountains in front of us, when we have anything in our lives but peace, Jesus shows up in the most unexpected way. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace the son of God. A prince we know is the son of a king. Jesus is the prince of God who is, his, is in himself in his very existence, peace. He's the one who restores. He's the one who brings unity. He's the one who in us makes and brings completeness. All around us, the world might still be raging. And it will. We know that. We've lived that. We are experiencing that right now in this moment. But we can still be people that are complete in him. Peace is always, though, coming at a price. 
fullness though is necessary due to sin in our lives. We've been separated from God. We need someone to come and to restore that which we've broken. The Prince of Peace came to bring unity once again. So we close with how we opened. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we close this morning, we're going to go back to the song that we sang just a few moments ago. And now I pray as you sing it, the words might mean something a little bit different. Maybe your, your takeaway is, is, has changed slightly. Now I pray that as you think about how we're going to fight our battles, we'll be reminded that no matter where we, we find, what we find ourselves dealing with, God is right there. He's with us. He desires to bring us back into unity with him, to make us complete, to make us again no matter what you might be dealing with, no matter what battles you might be finding, unexpected peace is available to us. The presence of Jesus Christ himself. Child has come. I invite you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for you, pray for us, and we're going to close today by worshiping together. If you've come lacking peace, know that you can receive it today in the most unexpected way through the birth of a child, Jesus. Father, as I look across this faith family, I see so many testimonies of your goodness and faithfulness. And we need to be reminded of those, perhaps in this moment. Because God, as I look upon this church that you've called us to worship, to minister to, Lord, I see, I see faces of friends. I see many that are struggling. I see some God that have received a diagnosis that is that they don't like. I see relationships between parents and teens that are through some difficult times. I see uncertainty. I see division. We, we tend to mask it well. We're really good at that. But Lord, you, you've, you've blessed me as a pastor to allow me to, to, to walk with and to share and, and to rest with some of those that find themselves right now in a valley that's really deep and dark. Sometimes we don't have all the easy answers. All we can do is just simply be present. Point one another back to the one answer. It's real. It's genuine. I want to pray, Lord, for those today that have gotten really good at peacekeeping. I can't help but think, but underneath the surface, there's just this well of pressure building up. At some point, Lord, it's, it's going to blow. Maybe we need to take some steps this week to be peacemakers. Some honest conversations. Maybe even, Lord, confess some things to one another, to you. God, today, wholeness and completeness is available to us. We don't have to carry around these burdens. We don't have to live with this separation. Prince of Peace has come. And I pray, Father, today that whatever might be in the way of us accepting, embracing, chasing after this peace that's available to us, Lord, we'd be honest enough to at least to acknowledge it, give you the space to help us work through it. Because God, we don't have to live a life of conflict or separation. Maybe, Lord, today we'd be filled with hope, with joy, and with peace. God, speak to us, I pray. May the words that we sing be our response to the Lord as you speak to us. In Jesus' name.
Grander earth has quaked before Moved by the soundless voice Seas that are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken from my regard God, I pray today that as we leave, we can leave with the peace that's available to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. And Lord, as we leave with a new understanding, may it make a difference in our life, how we live in our relationship with you and how we live in our relationship with others. Peace is available to each one of us. God, we thank you for that gift. Jesus Christ came in the most unexpected way to change us from the inside out. Father, we just thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' name.